What's up, Hogland Nation? You know we gotta tell you about Mr. T's Tuxedos. Do you or someone you know have a wedding, formal, prom, or big event coming up soon? Well, lucky for you, we have you covered. Mr. T's Tuxedos has the best suits and tuxedos in the area, and will have you looking your best for your big day. With their main store located in Minersville, PA, they also offer fitting services located in Center City, Philly, as well as on-site fittings at your preferred location. Make sure to mention that Hogline sent you when you visit in-store or reach out with an inquiry. To take a look at their catalog and for more information on all that Mr. T's Tuxedos has to offer, visit MrT'sTux.com. That's M-R-T-S-T-U-X.com. And remember, you only have one shot at looking your best. Be sure to take it with Mr. T's Tuxedos. What's going on, Hogline Nation? Welcome back to the Hogline Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Manis, alongside co-hosts Andrew Schreffler and Jack Manis. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to the 202nd episode of the podcast. Week one, a wild week one, is in the books. and We have a jam-packed episode for you guys. We have... We're going to recap our lock of the weeks, which were the furthest thing from blocks. Um, we went a like combined one and one and five. Yes, the door was wide open. There was no locks on the door. Uh, we have Shreff's first Eagles rant of the week. Uh, I assume it's going to be mainly positive, but we'll find out in just a moment here. And we have a wild Steelers game to recap. Absolutely th- thrilling, and I legitimately cannot do seventeen more weeks of that. Seventeen plus more weeks of that. That was that was too much. So I, I I just want can there be one comfortable game, please? Just once. I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. We have other stuff to get to as well. Week two preview. Um and just more of some general storyline recaps for week one. But how are you guys feeling? Uh just 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 to sum it up in, in a brief 30 seconds, how did you feel about your week one? What does my week one mean? The Steelers, your week, your week one experience, team, my overall week one experience. viewing experience. Yes, Damn. your week one uh, experience. It was exhausting, but in the best way. I think that's great. That's fair. Um, definitely good to be. Definitely feels good to be able to watch again. I was, in terms of the games themselves, I would say confused leaving this week. I'm confused. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there were some games that just didn't make sense, which we will get to in a second oh. here. Um, but I guess we can get right into it. Eagles ran the week. The Philadelphia Eagles beat the Detroit Lions 38-35. to uh, Eagles were in control for the large majority of this game. Uh, but Shreff, floor is yours. We've waited six-plus months for this. So. It was good to be back. So I think the way I'm going to be doing I'm going to try to keep this a little more like regulated from week to week. So I'm going to start with a word of the day that I think summed up the game. Um, then I'm going to go with positives, and then I'm going to go with some negatives at the end. So okay. to start, for the word of the day, the word of the day that I chose was usage. I will, and I will discuss this more as I, as I explain. Um, 
So we'll start with the positives. Uh, I think the first place you can obviously look would be at the quarterback position with Jalen Hurts. Um, I don't know if you all have to see if you guys agree once I'm done with this, but I feel like the first time it seemed like Jalen Hurts kind of won them the game a little bit uh, in a sense. And I think that's something that we haven't seen out of him yet. Um, And when I say that, I think starters, I mean, obviously the completion percentage wasn't quite there. I thought he made a lot. He was a lot more decisive on throws and including a, a few throws that I don't think he would have made last year, that, that deep ball to A.J. Brown at the end of the first half, one that stands out a little bit to me, that, that might have been the best throw he's made as an Eagle so far. Um, so definitely looked a little more comfortable there, and then even with uh, a lot of pressure throughout the game, made a lot of stuff happen with his feet, um, definitely avoided multiple sacks that should have been sacks. Um, so yeah, I I would argue that he somewhat won them the game, or at least made it so that they were pretty comfortable throughout most of the game. Um, now, obviously, we'll go to Mr. A.J. Brown. Uh, it seems like he might have been worth the money, I would say. Um, just target him throughout the entire game, open throughout the entire game, did everything that we thought he was going to do, uh, solid hands, breaking tackles left and right, just yards after catch, monster. And I'm very excited to see if he can build on that first performance. Um, and then I would also say the running game. Uh, that was kind of the key to them last year and the reason why they made the playoffs in the first place. And it seems like they picked right back up where they left off and maybe even like improved a little. You had Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and Kenneth Gainwell all score touchdowns. Um, all three of them look great. I mean, Hurts, obviously, most of his, a, a decent amount of his rushing yards were based off of having to get out of the pocket. But even on actual QB runs, just, I mean, the running game overall was just amazing. Um, now... We will get to the negatives. Starters, uh, outside of A.J. Brown and the running backs, uh, the skill players outside of them were just very non-existent. Um, and I think, importantly, or more importantly in terms of who was being talked about, obviously Devontae Smith, zero catches. Um, definitely not what you wanted to see out of the first week, but I do think game script came into play a lot where Jalen Hurts was being blitzed pretty frequently, had to get rid of the ball quick, and if I had to assume... I would say on a lot of plays, A.J. Brown was his first read. So I don't think that he had you know, enough time to be getting through all of his reads throughout the entire game. But at the same time, you don't want to see zero catches. Devontae is a guy that you should be kind of force-feeding him the ball if, if you're not already. So would definitely like to see that uh, tick up. And then on defense, uh, Mr. Jordan Davis was kind of the talk of the team in terms of the bad side of things. Uh, Jonathan Gannon not figure out how to stop their run game or their pass game pretty much throughout the entire game. Um, and, I mean, we saw, here's here's a stat that I had down. Uh, with Jordan Davis in the game, Lions averaged 3.1 yards per carry. Without Jordan Davis in the game, 9.9 yards per carry. So uh, a, a pretty big difference considering that's only one guy up the middle. But if there was ever a sign to be playing him more, that would be the one right there. So, uh, yeah, as I said, just lack of receivers, lack of receiver usage and just a lack of uh, rush defense and past and uh, pass defense, only one sack as well. So uh, biggest keys for next week, um, get in the backfield early and often. That includes runs and passes. Uh, that D-line is normally the forefront of their defense, and it just was not last week. Um, and offensively, uh, line needs to give Jalen a little bit more time to go through his reads. And if that is the case, then we will hopefully be seeing a lot more of Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith. How do you do, boys? How are we feeling? Yeah, that was that was great. That was a great summation, I think, of the game. 
Um, yeah, I was gonna add like Miles Sanders. I mean, if he's mm-hmm. used like that every game, he's looking to be a great value in fantasy drafts because he was going in the I was gonna say middle rounds. Almost, in, in one week, he's almost done a complete uh, one eighty. Where it was when when drafts were kind of getting started, he was one of the main guys that everyone was like, his his ADP is not worth it. Like. You, like people are drafting him as an RB two, that shouldn't be happening. If he's doing that, I think he got thirteen carries. Um, if he keeps getting that workload, I mean, behind this offensive line, that's could end up being a steal. Exactly, two targets as well. So that's good stuff. Um, I just want to add, um, I uh, house is to play devil's advocate and be the Eagles hater. I am. How sustainable? I just don't see it as too sustainable to target AJ Brown that much. Oh, he got not. half the targets. He got uh, of the twenty nine total team targets, he had thirteen of them. Um, I w- I wish I it'd take a long time to dig deep on this, but w- any other receiver in the league that got that big of a target share, um, not maybe Justin Jefferson. Yeah, maybe not. I don't even know. I don't even know, but um. It doesn't seem too sustainable to me, but AJ Brown is so talented. He always gets open, and he's he is. he's a good combination of just he's able to separate and always get open, and he's a big he's a physical receiver as well, which yeah, is, the, not many receivers are built like that. He uses his body incredibly, and I think like especially as an Eagles fan, I feel like when the Eagles make like these, they cause, just because of Howie being there. They're known for making these kind of big trades in the off season and just like making big moves. And I feel like more often than not, they, it, it, you know, they tend to let you down a little bit. I think that's also like scars from the Chip Kelly era of like Kiko Alonso coming in and stuff like that. But it was just, it was such a relief to see him come out there and do like exactly what everyone thought he was going to do and more. So obviously I'd, it's definitely not sustainable. Like I said before, I do think a big factor of it was that Hertz just really didn't have much time in the pocket at all in the game and I think that led him to being a little more tunnel uh, a little more tunnel vision towards Brown but at the same time it, it worked because he was literally open almost every almost on every play but in the future would definitely like to see Galen go through his reads a little bit more and spread the spread the wealth around because at this point they they have one of the more talented skill position groups in the league so utilize all of them you know AJ Brown set a franchise record for most uh most receiving yards in an Eagles debut at 155. Pretty good. I would say so. Uh, I just fact checked Devonta Adams. I think had the biggest target share. He had 46 percent target share. Wow. <laughs> he had 17 it's, targets on 37 attempts. So it, yeah, that, that was pretty pretty ridiculous. That like didn't change at all between <laughs> between no. teams. I did. It's the same. No. <laughs> the same story. Nope. What was it that good for Adams? 46 percent target share. He had 17 oh. targets on 37 <laughs> attempts. I mean. So, AJ Brown is right there, forty four point eight. He's right there. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's a lot. Um, yeah. All right, we're gonna move on to the Steelers. Jesus, there's so much to talk about. Have fun, boys. You can start, Jack. I'll I'll chime in when I feel like it's necessary. Um, I don't even know where to start. I'm gonna start with my favorite player of the game. Guesses. I mean, it has to be Minka Fitzpatrick. Minka. Yeah. Yeah. 14 total tackles. He's really he's, good at football. He starts the game, uh, Joe Burrow's first pass, second play, first play got sacked, 
first pass, Minka pick six. Um, so 14 total tackles. He had a v- insanely clutch pass breakup on that final drive before Jamar Chase scored the touchdown to tie it 2020. Jamar Chase does tie it. It's 2020. Bengals just got to kick a field goal point after, or a, sorry, extra point to win it. And Minka blocks it with two seconds left in regulation, sending it in overtime. Just all over the field, all game. The best safety in football. No one can change my mind. Um, Why would they? I don't know. Like I have another name for you. Erwin is maybe the only one, but even he, like, I mean, Minka is all around the field at all times. <laughs> yeah. Um, defense, very solid, even besides Minka. We got to Burrow all day long. Well, first off, five intercept, four or five interceptions, Mitchell. I don't remember. Four interceptions, um, two four. four. Yes. Yeah, right. It was four interceptions, but one was a uh, Alex Highsmith caused a fumble and, and Cam Hayward caught it. It felt like an interception, so that was a fumble. But seven sacks on the day for Steelers defense. Um, I'd be remiss to if I didn't mention that TJ Watt, I'm sure everyone knows, tore his peck. Wasn't a full tendon tear. Maybe that may not be the right uh, vernacular, but um, he uh, he does not require surgery. We'll be back in six weeks. Fingers crossed, I hope. Um, but people, I, Alex Highsmith is a name I want people to know. He had three sacks today which is half of his sack total last year. Uh, so during this period where TJ's out, we're going to rely a lot on him to get to the quarterback, and he sure did on Sunday. So hopefully he can sustain that for the next uh, next couple weeks. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, offensive line's still not great. Um, that's no secret there. However, we only allowed one sack, which I'm very fine with. Mitch did fine getting rid of the ball. Didn't throw any interceptions. Um, I mean, Mitch didn't didn't look great. Like he didn't make exceptional throws. I, I I'm sure no one would expect him to, but um, he did fine. Did clearly just enough to win us the game, which I'm fine with. Um, in overtime, look it up if you didn't see it. Deontay Johnson made one of the most insane catches you'll ever see. On the sideline, it was a forty about a forty yard play, maybe a little less. Uh, or it was on like the forty-ish yard line, so maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But incredible one-handed catch, ruled not a catch at first. They reviewed it, and he kept his feet in bounds. It was incredible. Um, a concern: the run game again. Offensive line's not good, not very good in run blocking or really pass protection. But run blocking in particular, uh, I don't have Najee's rushing stats in front of me. I'm going to look at right now. Uh, 10, 10 for 23. Awful. We rushed for 75 yards as a team. Six of those. Cleveland had six carries. Wow. Uh, 36 yards. We got to get the rush game going. I mean, it's going to be tough with Najee, who's already banged up and a poor offensive line. That's going to be very tough, but it's what we need to do. Um... I don't know. What do you got, Mitchell? Yeah, so, I mean, I wanted to talk about, like, the quarterback play first. Um, okay. Yeah, Mitch, I mean, didn't exceed really my expectations. I had a little bit higher bar for him. Uh, I mean, he only had 194 yards, and he played, like, nearly five quarters. That's not good. Um, 
he played very conservative, very safe football. Like you said, he didn't turn the ball over, which was great. Um, I mean, that one play in overtime where he extended it, and I think it was Friermuth, um, that was a really impressive play that I saw. However, I think that this performance, and if it continues, it's not going to keep Kenny on the sidelines. Um, it, I hate to use the word luck, because, but like we were on the brink of losing that game, and if it wasn't for a miraculous play by Minka, we would have lost that game. And they showed the stat the last time a team had a plus five turnover differential in a game and lost the game was 2012. So we were on the we were on just just on the brink of doing something that no team has done in in ten years. So that just is you know you have to take the win as they come because it's hard to win in the NFL, and some sometimes things just go your way. But this team needs a lot of work still. Um, so, like I said, I think th- with the way Mitch played, it was fine because in that particular game, he did what he needed to do. But like I said, that that's just not going to keep Kenny on the sidelines. Eventually, he's going to, you know, if he plays like that in a normal game, we, we lose that game. So, and it's going to be tough. I mean, it ha- really has to be the next man up mentality, and Highsmith has to, he can't be TJ Watt because no one is. But it, hopefully he could be like seventy percent of him, and you know, it's all. I'm again. I, I'm also jumping around here a little bit. I, again, I'm very grateful that TJ's not going to be projected to miss the entire season, and it's it's looking like six ish weeks. However, I don't know if you saw uh, Arthur Motes. He said in an interview um, that. Where is it? Let me see if I can find it. So, oh, here it is. That he tore his pec once in his career, and after six weeks, he said he was able to play, but it still did not feel good at all. So he's not really quite optimistic that TJ is going to be able to push through and pull through like he normally does and perform at the same level. Um, he did say, however, if anyone can do it, it can be him. I did want to say that, like, I think yeah. TJ Watt is kind of just a different human and I, all tears are so different i it's i don't know how comparable their two injuries are exactly i mean yes they're both torn pecs but there are there are several varying degrees of how you can tear it i did some pectoral muscle research because i was i was a little, I was scared jack jack got his medical degree over the past two days i feel like i, uh, did. I feel like tj watt could be healthy like tomorrow knowing like, yeah I, I feel like he just like regenerates i don't know God, I hope so. Yeah, that's a great point about the if Mitch plays like this, Kenny won't stay on the sideline for very long. That's a great point. Um, I love Kenny more than anyone. I, uh, it's just I worry for him if he's gonna get put in behind this offensive line with no running game. That's a lot to call upon a rookie. But uh, as Tomlin would put it, Kenny, uh, I guess you could say Kenny has cut his eyelids off. He hasn't blinked uh, through any adversity so far. So, and he can handle pressure like that. Uh, like that's one of his most redeeming traits as a quarterback. He's just very calm under pressure. So 
I guess if there's any rookie to do it, it'd be him. It's just, it's tough to ask. For, oh, that's asking a lot out of a rookie to put them behind this offensive line and just to make this offense work. I think he can do it, though. We have the skill position players for him to thrive. He did in preseason. I guess I don't see why he can't do it in the regular season. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know what else we could we could add on here. Do you have any more th- anything else more on the game you want to talk about, Mitchell? No, I don't think so. Um, we have the pay- their next. I guess I'll just look ahead quick at the schedule. I mean the the next three games are home against the Patriots at Cleveland Thursday night football and then home against the Jets. So it it's not a terrible stretch there. Um hopefully realistically you know, I think 3 and 1 is a reasonable expectation in that stretch. So hopefully that is obtainable. Um and I guess the only other thing I wanted to say is I know it's 6 weeks for Watt, but if he could just maybe come back right after the bye week, which our bye week is week 8 or 9. Yeah then I would be fine with that. Just have them for the second half of the season. Don't rush yeah, it. I'm, and right. just, I'd say just call it quit. Like just call it at the bye week You know, that that's a good benchmark in my opinion. I'm that's, I had that same thought that bye week is a good benchmark. Kind of just depends on like how we do without him. Like if we're able to stay afloat and like scrap and win games, then I'd be, more conservative in in holding him off the field, but yeah, we'll see how yeah. that plays out the next couple of weeks. But I, I do like that idea of just saving him, just give him more rest for after the bye week, start him in week nine, which that would be, I think. Yeah, you're right. Um, we might not be in a position to hold him out and be yeah. conservative with it, but you know, I guess we want to look towards the not just this year. You know, I mean, I you don't want to derail like you know have him unfortunately turn out like his brother and have a injury riddled second half of his prime so you know we want it we want to still have him available a lot of things to consider and i'm people get paid a lot of money to make these decisions so i'm sure they will they will figure it out um and with that we can move on what's our next segment jack do you remember surprise of the week surprise of the week all right, so we're each going to come up with one surprise from week one that could be a, an overall team, a game, a player, uh, whatever you want. So, Shref, Jack and I just did a lot of talking there, so you can have the floor first. What is your surprise of the week? Mm, I'm debating if I want to go player or team. Um, I'm going to go with a player because this guy, for better or for worse, is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I, I, I dumped him off in the off season going into, going into the season, thinking that it would be more of the same. And after one week, it looks like it might not be. So my surprise player is a good surprise is going to be, uh, Mr. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, heck yeah. Love that one. Yeah. Um, definitely a little sad as a fan, as a, as a former dynasty owner, we thought that he was he was done for. I thought he was. I, I thought he was done. I thought he was out. Was I'm never no going to be a former. Age. I'm never going to be a former Clyde owner. I'm always you know, going to be a current Clyde. Yeah, it, it it you know it's a it's tough times out here. Um, I was very impressed with how the Chiefs used him. Uh, I think we were all wondering what uh, Tyreekless Chiefs offense was going to look like, and I mean you could say that they kind of picked up where they left off, but they did it in kind of a different way than, than how they would normally do it. Um, 
And Clyde was a big part of that, uh, using him in, in both facets of the game, running and throwing the football. Just, I guess it comes down to there's there's more opportunities to be had now that Tyreek isn't taking away his normal, whatever, like 10, 10-ish targets a game, something like that. Obviously, Kelsey was still a beast, but you, you still need those guys. And I, I thought maybe they were going to lean on Juju a little bit more, and they, they did not do that. Um, so obviously it can change uh, week to week, but just in terms of the overall like snaps Clyde was getting and like the quality of the of the touches he was getting, um, things seem to be looking up for him. And especially in this offense that, I mean, it's only been one week, obviously, but with the talent they have, it's hard to picture them really slowing down. So it seems like Clyde could, uh, I'm trying to think where I would, does Clyde finish as like a top 15 fantasy pack this year, maybe higher, top 12? I think 15 is fair. No, I will, I'll speak on this because I'm the now current owner, dynasty owner of Clyde Edwards, whereas Trev traded him to me. I will say, though, Jack, um, it ended up looking pretty good considering I got A.J. Brown in return. That's true, yeah. It was A.J. Brown and a second rounder for D.J. Moore, Clyde, and a first. I believe that was correct. Um, Clyde put up fancy points, but... I'm not overly excited at his usage. He only had 10 touches. It's okay. Seven carries. He got out carried by Isaiah Pacheco, seven to 12. And he he only had three targets, three catches on three targets. Um, Of those three targets, he had two touchdowns out of it, which is not sustained. Like that's not going to happen every week. So I'm not overly excited about it. I'm glad he put up points this week, but I don't know how, many more weeks he's going to be doing that with only 10 touches. Yeah, so from what from my understanding, I didn't see the I didn't see most of this game to be honest. But from what I understood and read and heard in different podcasts and whatnot, that Pacheco, although he did outcarry him 12 to 7, got, yeah, all of this game was a was trending towards a blowout, and I believe the large majority of those 12 ca- carries came in the fourth quarter. Okay. Like the last two drives. So, you know, that means you would think, although it doesn't look that way, if you just look at the stat sheet, I believe, you know, that Clyde is used in that starting role, and he was, you know, they both scored a touchdown. They both look good, um, and Pacheco... When he with his carries did well, he averaged five point two a carry. Um, but you know, I, I Clyde is definitely it's not a he's not the full blown three down back. I don't think the Chiefs are going to roll that way with this current running back uh, group that they have. But he's certainly the one A, um, and I will take the one A in the top a top three offense in the NFL behind a top three to five offensive line for sure. Um, I'm really excited. Uh, obviously, if anyone has listened to this show over the past two, three years, they know that I love Clyde Edwards Alaire and I've been waiting for this moment. Hopefully this could be it. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm not expecting it, but I'm really optimistic and hopeful for it. So I love that one, Shref. Great pick. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Surprise! I'm a little disappointed that I didn't think of it myself. Um, Jack, who is your surprise of the week? I had a couple written down because I didn't want to be stolen. 
Do you only have one written down if you want to go, Mitchell? I only have one. You're not going to take it. It's not a player, so. I doubt uh, you'll take it. Okay, fine. I did. I, was, I mentioned I had the Chiefs' offense written down that they didn't skip a beat without Tyreek. Um, but we talked about the Chiefs already. I also want to mention Chiefs had five fumbles, which is a lot. Yeah, that is Whoa, a lot. That's um, crazy. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with the the 49ers as a te- team as a whole, uh, offense particularly, failed to put up points. Um, they were down Kittle. Their offensive line is a little banged up as well, but I still expected that offense to... And uh, what's his name? Eli Mitchell got hurt in addition. Um, I still expect that offense to beat up on the Bears defense. I know the it was raining. The field, that was like one of the worst fields I've ever seen, like well, at yeah, least in recent memory. It was also Soldier Field, which was bad, even dry. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, like, it reminded me, I haven't seen a field that bad since, like, that Steelers Dolphins Monday Night Football game, like the Mud Bowl, Mitchell, in, like 2007. Yeah. Um, yeah I remember that game, actually. <laughs> I. Trey Lance, me and Trey were talking about Trey Lance in our group chat. Which we can translate into this this show. Uh, Trey Lance didn't look great. Uh, he had a bad interception. He went thirteen of twenty eight. He did he have a touchdown? He didn't have a touchdown pass. He went thirteen of twenty eight, one hundred sixty four yards. Took two poor sacks. Um, I know the conditions were bad, but it was not a good outing for Trey Lance. First start, first not his first start, but what seemed like his first start where they're putting faith in their possible franchise quarterback. Um, he did have like one or two good throws, but just for the most part, didn't look great. Um, granted, we had we gave that stat. He only threw like the ball 300 times since high school. Like he's still a very raw prospect and he has room to grow. Wasn't too encouraging that he couldn't, what he put up 10 points. The offense put up 10 points against a very poor Bears defense. Um, yeah, I guess that's my biggest surprise. I mean, I'm not the biggest Trey Lance believer. Um, he makes some cool highlight throws in practice, what we see, but like, I've always, I've been really thinking his mechanics just like aren't great. I don't know. I'm not a quarterback whisperer, but uh, your guys' thoughts on Trey Lance, I'd like to hear him. Go, um, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess as I'm, I'm definitely higher on Lance. Maybe not more than most, but definitely higher than Jack in this situation. Um, I it's a tough one for me because I, I mean, by no means did he play well, or the Niners really in general did they play well. Um, conditions obviously make it really hard to judge on one game. Obviously, Justin Fields played a overall decent, but like I, I think the. I feel like the narrative after this game, at least from uh, maybe not like from this podcast, but just like in general, has been saying how Fields like completely outperformed him. I I mean, he certainly played better than Lance, but in a game like that, I don't think you. I, it's just it's really tough for me to make like a an overall decision. I think the offense as a whole looked really bad. Lance certainly a few dumb mistakes, but also still young. Um, as we as you said, Jack probably. In terms of like rawness, could be maybe the rawest QB that's playing right now. 
just in terms of like really not knowing what we're going to get out of him at the moment. Um, at yeah, a starting not, quarterback, sure. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I was trying to think. I feel like that's probably true. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I I'm not going to get too too low on it. I, I think that they get. I want to say they play Atlanta this week, right? No, they have the Seahawks. They got yeah, Seattle. So yeah. I mean, an, another. I don't know. We'll we'll see if we get into that into them at all. But going into week one, I was thinking that the Seahawks would be a good test as i didn't think they were very good but now all of a sudden i I don't know what to think about them at least on the defensive side of the football so uh yeah i'm not gonna i'm i'm somewhat in the middle at this point on lance i'm gonna i'm gonna wait to see what he does this week and then i'll have more of a solid decision on him i don't have too much else to add i'm not really really worried about him um my opinion on him from an nfl perspective was kind of undecided um, from a fantasy perspective, it was, I was all in. Um, I mean, you saw it here. I mean, he didn't have a great fantasy day at all, but he did have 13 carries, and that's going to be fantasy gold. So mm-hmm. he, he's going to be a good fantasy option. I mean, unless I, unless he's the worst passer ever, yeah, he's, he's going to be. He's he can't be he can't be bad. He's going to have to play no. his way out of out of the job in order for him not to be at least contributing fantasy wise. I would imagine. Exactly. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm okay with just throwing this game out. I mean, th- these conditions are a once in a season kind of thing, if that. So I, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving them a pass for this one. I'll leave it at that. Um, my surprise, I'm kind of debating between two, but I'm kind of going to do a 180 on this one. I'm probably going to pick because I didn't originally think I was going to bring up this this team, but I'm going to say the Seahawks just because, you know, that was going to be my lock of the week until Shref picked it and I wanted to pivot. Glad I did pivot. Um, although I did, you know, switch my pick to the Eagles, which did not hit either. But um, it's just I was so confident. And I should have known. I should have seen this one coming for sure. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I saw or heard somewhere that I think it was on TikTok. The page was just Gridiron fans, I think. He gives out his pick for every primetime game. And he was on the under and Seahawks plus seven. And one of his main reasonings why was because this is one of the most Broncos to cover whatever it was, six and a half or seven was one of the most like public bet things in a long time. And that just feels like a trap right there. When the mm-hmm. public is on a team so much, you just know the other side it's going to be hitting. So I should have, uh, I don't know. I should, I feel like I we should have seen that one coming, but for me, it was frustrating just because they like, I mean, they fumbled twice on the one man, like <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so many points, so many points left at like, and, and not even just like, not even just like seven going down to three, like twice seven going down to zero. Like that, that is so tough. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, they didn't play, you know, perfect football. The Seahawks did, but you got to give them credit. 
I mean, I don't know what it was. I don't know. It was the atmosphere of Russ coming back. And I we were completely yeah, got booed. You guys were yeah. very quick to say <laughs> that you <laughs> wouldn't get booed. And I was so like, I don't, guys, I, 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 know, this be more you know what happened? I, I forgot to acknowledge the fact that that every single NFL fan to ever exist is is a delusional human being who will defend their <laughs> team and their team only till the death. And, you know, the, the hand up on that one, I should have known. Um, but also, like, I, Me too. Russ, Russ, <laughs> Russ is the worst guy to handle that because, like, he's he's too nice of a guy. Like he, like he doesn't have like, he doesn't have like that, like that Baker quality to him where like, oh, you're going to boo me. Like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to score yeah. on you. And then like, and you know, like grab my, grab my junk. No, R- Russ, Russ finishes the game. He's like all glory to God. Like love all those guys. Like, dude, come on. <laughs> yeah. So we would have loved to see a little bit more juice there, but that's just not how he rolls. So no, it's not, and it never will be. Yeah. And so, also just, we don't need to talk about it, but. What horrible clock management that was at the oh, end of the game. Oh my, the worst. Yeah, I I just don't get how you expect a sixty-four yarder to go in. Hit that, and I I also want to rant about those about those two goal line fumbles. Yeah, the fumbles were bad. Why are you running out of shotgun from the one? Yeah, yeah, that's tough. Running back has no mo. Like you have Javante and Melvin, who are both like run downhill. They're fine with, with with having with with making contact with people. Give it to them out of the out of the back, not out of shotgun, dude. They have no momentum going towards the line. Yeah, it's just common sense. It yeah, feels you don't have like a running it. start. Yeah, feels like it. Um. All right. I guess we will move on to our final segment, other than lock of the week. Uh, the matchup that we're most looking forward to in week two. Um, I hope we don't have. I hope we can talk about three different games because there are a decent amount of uh, intriguing matchups here on the week two slate. Um, so it should be good. Okay, so uh, Jack, go ahead. Uh, Bucks at Saints. Ooh, good one. Divisional matchup. The Bucks. They did not look great offensively um, against the. Dallas defense that I'm very skeptical of, and I think everyone else should be skeptical of as well. Uh, what they only put up 19 points, which I against a better defense, I imagine they wouldn't have scored even that much. And this is a Saints defense that um, I guess didn't look great in Week One, but it's still very solid. Have more playmakers from top to bottom uh, than the Dallas does. Um, and now the Bucks got to face. The Saints defense and got a game plan without Chris Godwin, which is tough. Um, granted, Julio did look good. Uh, but more importantly, Brady has yet to beat the Saints since joining the Bucks. Yet to beat the Saints in regular season, I may add, because he did beat them in the divisional round in 2020 playoffs. But four matchups in regular season against the Saints, uh, he hasn't beat them as a Buccaneer. And this is in, uh, in New Orleans, which makes it tougher. Not my lock of the week, but if I had to choose, I would take the Saints plus two and a half and probably money line because just going off the historical record. Yeah, I I agree with that one. I'm intrigued about this one, and I I was considering it for my lock of the week. I still might. Spoiler alert. I don't know. Still, I'm going to make a game have decision. We'll see. I did want to add that it was a good stat that you brought up that their Brady's zero and four against the Saints in the reg- in the regular season in his tenure at, uh, at Tampa Bay. They also have an average margin of loss of 16 points per game, too. So not only did they lose, they lose decisively. Saints got their number recently. 
Yeah. They do. I would love if this was three and a half, but I don't think it's trending that way. So nah, I do agree with you. I would take this, the Saints there. Um, Shref, what matchup are you the most looking forward to? I know you have a couple written down there. Yeah, I'm debating if I want to go. Eh. So we get the full, just so we get a wide range of talking about teams. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Ravens Dolphins. Mm, okay. Okay. Um, that is interesting. I uh, Mike McDaniel's is going through a going through a gauntlet of like all time great coaches to start off the year here. Um, defeated Brady. I mean, sorry, defeated. Whoa, defeated Belichick. That was a that was a slip oh. up. Forty and uh, slip. Yeah, big time. Uh, defeated Belichick pretty pretty handily. I mean, the Pats didn't look good, but I mean, Dolphins kind of. I, I think they looked how people expected a Mike McDaniel offense to look. So that was definitely promising. Um, very fun like play play style matchup here. You kind of have pretty a, a pretty similar. Not in terms of like the QB. The QBs play differently for sure, but. I mean, this is going to be a big-time pound-the-ball game. Pound the rock, you know? Um, I think for me, this is just uh, Ravens, who I know Jack and I were both uh, were both pretty high on, at least Lamar for sure. Um, seeing if they can build on the Jets. I think the week one against the Jets without Zach Wilson, I think that was just kind of a foregone conclusion there winning that game. I don't think anyone really put any stock into the performances that week or last week. Um this week, though, I think the uh, McDaniel seems like he has that offense humming. Um, this is going to be run game against run game, uh, and like I said, we have a, one of the more experienced coaches uh, in Harbaugh going against a young gun who seems like he seems like he wants to prove prove himself a little to the league. You know, um, I do want to look because this this is not uh, debating hmm, debating a lock here. We're, we're going to see if I do it or not. But right now, Dolphins are plus three and a half. Uh, the only thing that gives me worry about that is that it's a home game for the Ravens. That's one that I might stay away from just because I really don't know how the how the script's going to look for that one. But I think arguably two of the most evenly uh, evenly matchup teams in terms of the matchups this week. So I'm excited for this one. Take the Ravens. That's kind of where the, that that's where I was leaning in terms of my lock, but I'm not sure if I'm going to do it yet or not. Lamar. Uh, had Monday morning story time with a local Baltimore elementary school. Oh, that's sick. <laughs> he was just reading to a class. Nice. Why the buddy pregnant? <laughs> yeah, so Lamar, Lamar, Lamar is pretty cool. They did lose to the Dolphins last year on Thursday Night Football. Did. That was, a, that was an ugly game, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Mitchell. Yeah. What are you most looking forward to this weekend? Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I have one written down, but I want to bring up two games because I think they're... We and we're, we're What? Nothing. Not allowed to do it? We make Not the rules it. here. We can do whatever we want. Um, the first game I want to talk about is the game that's happening tomorrow. Uh, the Chargers at the Chiefs. It's going to be fantastic. Both of these teams lived up to expectations in week one for sure. Um, and last year was the game, I believe it was also on Thursday Night Football, when it, I think it went, either went to overtime or it was a, came down to when Kelsey scored that long touchdown. Crazy, um, the one, yeah. The one that was in uh, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a great game. I, I have a vision that you know, something similar might happen in this game where it's just really, really, really right down to the wire. Um, 
So I'm really excited. I, um, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to it. And, you know, Shref's surprise of the week with Clyde really got me excited. So starting him in Dynasty. We're pumped. um, Starting him in another league as well. So I, uh, I'll be rooting hard for him. I always do, but, you know, especially now because I'm starting him. Uh, And we got to talk about the Eagles Vikings too. Two offenses that looked fantastic. Justin Jefferson looks like he's on a, Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup type arc of a season. Maybe, uh, dude. He, he like it's it's the same offense with with Justin, but with Justin Jefferson, who is I mean clearly more athletic than Cup. I am so excited for him this year. I spew up a quick stat about JJ. He's do. Yeah. Um. So I thought of the some of the best receivers since in the 2010s era. Um that played pre- pretty much a full three seasons in their first three seasons in the NFL. Uh, Tyreek Hill totaled three 3,255 yards. Calvin Johnson totaled 3,071 yards. Larry Fitzgerald totaled 3,135. DeAndre Hopkins totaled 3,533. Uh, Jefferson's already at 3,200. And he <laughs> played... He played two seasons in one game so far. So put that into perspective, how like what the most one of the most impressive starts to a career ever, honestly, for a wide receiver. I mean, I guess statistically it makes more sense nowadays because we're in an era of more passing, but just of I try to compare it to receivers that played in this era pretty much. Like he's he's transcended upon them. Yeah. Also, hold on. This is really funny. I just Googled Justin Jefferson's stats real quick, and I'm going to send it in our group chat. The picture that comes up is not Justin Jefferson. I just thought it was funny. It's some random guy. I don't even know who that is. Um, anyway, yeah, no, he's... You know, I think that's KJ right, Osborne. <laughs> right, right away, he had, that 40, he had the 40 yards and a touchdown, I think, on the first drive. It happened so quickly, too, like right after the 1 o'clock games. I'm like, oh, there it is. Already he's got eleven fantasy points, so yeah. And I think it it was like this. It was like mid second quarter, and he already had six catches for one hundred fifty yards and two touchdowns. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> so well, it's one of those things where now, I mean, defenses are going to have to kind of choose. And even if they do, like I'm assuming the Packers went in knowing they were going to try to stop Jefferson, and they just didn't. Like I don't. He was it's so not, wide open too on some of these. So he was. It makes now, no sense. There was no one Jair, within like ten yards. Jair Alexander had a quote after the game, saying like, "I guess he Alexander wasn't covering him primarily throughout the game, and he Jair said something like it wasn't my call. He wanted he wanted to or something along those lines." Yeah, um, I know Slay Slay's note Slay's known to kind of shadow number one, so I'm wondering if they'll do that with him. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I don't know. Your best corner's got to be on their best best receiver. It's like yeah. how do you how do you not after he already has like five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown at the end of the first quarter or something like that? How do you not just say, "Okay, let's just try to put our best corner on him?" And I don't know, man. I was well, no, I did I did this. see a I did see a uh one play at least. I it was a reply to the tweet of like the quote of Jerry Alexander saying that. 
like uh, the maybe we I don't know how many plays Alexander was on him, but Jefferson burned him on one at least, and he was just wide open. So he's and Jair Alexander's a top corner in this league, top five corner, maybe you can argue, and he's looking like he's going to be on. Yeah, sorry, Shreff. I I think you're kind of screwed. Does so I, 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 oh, as an Eagles fan, next week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't know. I I think the issue with Jefferson, it seems. I mean, they do they did it with Cup, or they still do it with Cup. But he he's he's getting snaps from everywhere on the field. Like he's outside, he's in the slot, he's doing it all. So I guess it is. It's tough at, for a defensive scheme to kind of have it where like if he's moving all over the field, having one guy following him might not always be like your best defensive scheme. I don't know. It, it's weird, but I. uh Especially after seeing what the Lions did to him last week, I'm very uh, I'm eh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll I don't know. Your best bet is just to do what you do best and run the ball as effectively as possible, and just yeah, I think that that's to going to be the key. Possession. You got to sustain drives and get and get Kirk out of his comfort zone where he's struggling on throws. Maybe that's pretty much their only option at this point. I think. Yeah, you really got to bleed the clock and just have yeah. a game where it's like. 37 minutes to like 22 minutes time of sure. possession or something like sure. that. Yeah, I like that. Um, all right. So yeah, a lot of good games. Uh, so it's exciting. All right. We're going to wrap up today's episode with lock of the week. Like I said, at the mm. top of the episode, we did horrendous in week one, <laughs> one, one in five. Luckily for me, I was the one. So I am one in one. And these two are zero and two. Um, don't know if a lot I of season left. A lot of season yeah, left. Don't know if we were discussing this on an episode. I don't know if we discussed it during our four-hour episode the other week, or I don't know, or even off the air. I'm not sure. But I, I want to tell Hogline Nation just in case they are unaware. Um, we were gonna do the chip punishment for Jack, and also since he won the postseason, we were gonna take him out to dinner. However, we decided to scrap both of those. One being that Jack lives in Florida now, so the logistics of taking him out to dinner are kind of a little bit difficult. Um, and two, he has some stomach issues, so it might not be the best idea to give him a potentially uh, potentially stomach havoc wreaking. I don't think it's Food potential. Item. I think it happens to everyone that does that challenge. I'm pretty sure it's like a guaranteed, like you're you're going to be struggling for a little bit. <laughs> so for like, safety, <laughs> have we ahead. just bet like $20 for this one? I feel like that <laughs> it seems like a good solution to it. I don't, I don't want to do I that, though. Any... I want to do, I want to do, Shref and I do the beer mile and you do another liquid mile. A mayo uh, mile. No, mayo, that, that mayo. The mayo mile, no. Eat a uh, whole jar of mayo. Yeah, one <laughs> no, jar gonna, of mayo I, is equivalent to one beer. No, I was gonna say like do like maybe, like, I don't know, a double shot glass worth of mayo every mile or something like that. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I want to do so funny we'll, to picture we'll Jack doing that. We'll put it on Instagram, field some ideas, and we'll work. We'll workshop through it. We'll field yeah. some ideas. It's and funny no, to picture like, Jack having to go to like a Jacksonville track to to go down Mayo while he's running around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Visual. Not that I, I think it was Justin Schwartz who submitted the the chip one. Not that that wasn't a good punishment. We, we liked it so much. We want. We were initially planning to do it. It just hasn't really worked out that way for the reasons I just said. So we're gonna come up with a new one. 
I don't want to do money. I want to do something unique. Um, but regardless, you two are well on your way. Oh, and two, I'm one and one, not far ahead. So we need to do better. Let's move on to this week. Uh, I think it's only fair if I go first because I'm the lead. But any objections to that? That's all you. Um, so I do have one that I'm definitely going to do, and then for my second one, I'm going to stall a little bit and take some time. But I know what I'm going with first, and I bet against this team in week one for my lock of the week, and I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to do that again, and in fact, I'm going to pick them this week, and that's the Detroit Lions, minus uh-huh. two and a half, um, against the Washington Commanders at home in Detroit. Uh, this is a group of warriors. I mean, they just... I, I thought that was in the bag. I'm like, oh, great. I, I switched from the Broncos to the Eagles. Eagles are up by like two touchdowns now. I'm like, this is great. But little did I know, you know, I was sadly mistaken. Because then all of a sudden they're just, they're down three. Dan Campbell had different plans, Mitchell. He had different plans. That brings them to, in the Dan Campbell era, the Detroit Lions have the second best cover rate in the NFL, 12 and six against the spread. So if I just, if you just, if I just blindly pick the Lions every week, I think I should be good to go. So I just, I'm never going to, they never quit. They're never, ever out of games. Mm. So they're going to, they're at home too. That just makes me feel more comfortable with this selection. They play the commanders who I know they're one to know at this point, And they did, once did look good for the majority of that game besides a couple picks, but you know, they played the Jags still a team that's in transition. Um, and I don't know. I think the Lions can get it done. I think this is their first win of the season. And, you know, I didn't expect them to beat the Eagles anyway. And I still had them at 10 and 7. So I think this is where their season starts to turn in the right direction. And it already feels like it is because they, like I said, they finish games. They're never out of it and they quit. They play really hard. And um, I'm confident in this one, especially because it's two and a half, too. That definitely makes me feel a lot better than. It is two and a half, right? I keep forgetting that I'm doing DraftKings, not Fanduel. You are you're you're going to be feeling better, Mitchell. It's at one and a half on on Fanduel. Awesome, perfect. That's exactly what I want to hear. So one and a half, I'll take that all day long. Lions are winning this game, and I'm very confident about it. Who's next? Um, you want to go, oh, go? No, you take it. No, you take it, man. Oh yeah. I'm checking the what the odds are now. Um. Taking the Bengals. Ooh, I like that. I wasn't really thinking about it, I but pick. I do like it. I wish I would have gone first. <laughs> Ooh. Um, yeah, I love the Bengals. As the line opened at six and a half, put a wager down at six and a half because I knew that line is going to shift. It's, a, it's at seven and a half now. I'll still take it at seven and a half. Bengals are still a great team. Burrow is still a very good quarterback. And uh unlike baker i feel like burrow does do best when he's doubted and um i think people forget or maybe didn't even know that burrow had a appendix surgery this offseason so didn't play preseason either i believe so um that could have contributed to his rusty start and i mentioned it earlier in the episode this dallas defense is not good um Dallas team as a whole isn't good. They obviously lose Dak. Even with Dak, Dak played bad. I love Dak, and it's hard for me to admit he played bad. He played one of the worst games of his career, even before he got hurt. Um, 
and it wasn't even just him like uh receivers weren't catching balls they're really lacking a weapon on the outside to stretch the field uh they desperately need Gallup back and james washington would have helped too if he was if he was healthy and obviously elephant in the room they're missing cooper i've been trying to beat the cooper drum all off season and for years now like he's so underrated and does so much for that offense um the offensive line's banged up too there's just so many issues all over the roster for the cowboys um and probably gonna have cooper rush lead them against a very determined bengals team that's still good i don't care that's in dallas i think it's in dallas um I'll take the Bengals to win by eight points. Good pick. Lock Jack. it in. Good pick. Lock it in, Jack. Uh, Shraff, you're up. Yeah, Jack, you you picking the Bengals, I think, is gonna lock in the one that I was talking about. I think I am I'm gonna I'm gonna lock in Ravens minus three and a half. Okay. Um gave up, I believe, nine points to the Jets last week. Um Dolphins gave up what seven to the Pats. This the Ravens are not the Patriots, at least uh, offense wise. Um, Dolphins are going to be seeing like a a team that is not even like just a completely different offense from from what the Patriots are doing. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm trusting Lamar, I'm trusting the experience of Harbaugh. I'm trusting the home team. Um, I think th- three and a half feels small for me, considering that like I get the Dolphins won handily. Week one, but this is still a team that you know they still have question marks. Like the Tua still isn't proven. There, like I, I think if there's if there's a defense who's going to be able to kind of bring out the weaknesses of Tua, I think the Ravens are a team that can do that. Um, so I'm going to take I'm going to take Ravens in the points. Give me give me minus three and a half. There you have it. Um, should we snake around so Shref can like have his his second pick first? Can we just make yeah. it a rule that we can't do the same. Kind of like that. Let's just make it a rule because we haven't done it so far. I feel like we're not we're trending in that direction. We're not going to do it anyway. So let's just make it a rule. All right, an, um, an impromptu rule decision. Like no it. longer can no longer do the same pick. I actually, like that, Jack, because I was I was still debating on just doubling up with you on the Bengals, but I think it's for the best that I that I go elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, I'm debating. Oh man, this is tough. It'll help at the end of the year too when we're close that so you just can't be a cop out. I don't think we would do it anyway. Yeah, but you know, so I agree. And well, you know, like we said, we're gonna have some I feel like we should do we're making a lot of rules here. I have another suggestion. Should we do like maybe every four weeks or something like that? We do like an extra pick or we do an over under or something. Be okay so, with that. Yeah. Okay. So every fourth week, do you wanna do that? Unless Sure. Every fourth week guaranteed, and then maybe if we are feeling it, we can, you know, I don't know, whatever. There's just an idea. So, but for now, we're only doing two. Like that. All right. Um, hmm. I'd do it. Talked about it as one of our best games, or how close I think this is going to be. This spread feels like a little much. I'm going to take the Chargers plus four and a half as my second lock of the week. Ooh, I like the opposite. I'm going to do like, it. I like Chargers plus four and a half. I'm going to do it. I the one, thing, the one thing that worries me is Chiefs at home. It does worry me. I'll be, I'll, I'll be completely upfront with you about that. Uh, it is tough on a road team on Thursday Night Football, though. It is. It, it is. I understand it's tough. I understand it's tough. But 
I do think the Chargers are the more complete team here. I really do. Um, I think that that win against the Raiders was pretty eye-opening for me, just in it, like, at going into that week, that, that game felt like it could have gone either way, and even I was leaning towards the Ravens. The Chargers, I wouldn't say this surprised me, but I think they, they just looked really good. Um, no Keenan Allen is certainly going to hurt, but Justin Herbert showed absolutely no issue with spreading the ball around. Um, I can say that as a Mike Williams fantasy owner. Um, so it, it's a tough one. It is a tough one. And I, I can already foresee me feeling really stupid about this, like two quarters in tomorrow, but I trust the chargers team as a whole. I think their defense is going to be able to keep it close. Me, the chargers plus four and a half. There you go. I kind of like it, even though it's it is very tough. I was de- yeah. there was like three that I was debating between, and I was I wasn't really confident, like completely confident in, in any of them. So I went with the best team that I think was was giving the most points. So, all right, Jack, you're up. I hope you take one of the two that I'm debating between, so I can just make a decision. It'll be easy. So we'll see. My final lock of the week is going to occur at Akersher Stadium. I was debating it. I was debating it. <laughs> Taking the Steelers to cover one and a half, plus one and a half. Is that what it still is at? It is. Uh, I don't know, Jack. I think it might have changed. Let me see. You are getting them at. Well, oh, Jack, you're getting them at two and a half. All the more better. Patriots looks crazy that they're plus. Patriots looked bad. Uh, Mac Jones, in particular, a player that I am so low on. I've been banged up too. He's Mm -hmm. banged up. Thank you for mentioning that. I would. He might not even. Well, yeah. Um, he's gonna play. You said he might not even play. No, he's leaning toward yes. He'll play. He just doesn't sound like he'll be a hundred percent. Maybe on passes. Of 10-plus air yards on Sunday, he went 4 of 10, only 89 yards, and an interception. As expected by me, uh, Mac Jones and the offensive play caller, presumably Matt Patricia, were not in sync. They had to take two untimely timeouts um, in crucial moments at that game uh, in Miami. Other stat I heard today, which is very interesting, on Around the NFL podcast uh, via Dan Hansis, one of my favorite podcasts, probably my favorite podcast right now for past couple years. Um, Mac Jones, he's had four games where his defense have let up seven or le- seven points or less. Kirk Cousins, I know we're not talking about Kirk Cousins, but I'm just bringing him anyway. Kirk Cousins, who's in year 11, mind you, Sunday was only his second career game where his defense let up seven points or less. Wow. Mac Jones has had it pretty good for his first year. Um, and his defense is noticeably worse, in my opinion, and statistically as well. Um, that just gives me more faith in the Steelers to cover. I know we're obviously out TJ Watt. I don't care. Our roster is a lot better. Um, give me the Steelers to cover and obviously win if it's two points, two and a half points. I'm glad you picked that. That was one of the two I was debating between. I would have won with the Steelers. So 
glad you said that so I can just make my decision easier. I am going to go with the San Francisco 49ers to cover eight. Uh, I have eight and a half. What's you guys? I believe that is the same we have. That's ooh, that's a bold yep. move, Mitch. Bold eight move. And a half. I don't know. I like the Hawks. That's a bold move. They so, feisty. They have oh, feisty Mitchell, bunch. Uh, I'll I'll let you finish, Mitchell. But I'm going to bring something up. Then we're going to. I have a I have an interesting proposition. So, like I said, I am ready to just throw out week one out the window. Um, that's not normal. So, again, I'm giving them a pass. Giving Trey Lance a pass for sure. And you know, Seahawks coming off in a a short week that helps as well. Um, there's just no way they're going to be able to replicate that performance that they did. That was, there was something in the air that night and it's just, they only scored 17 points too. It's not like the offense was like earth shattering. Um, the 49ers let up less than three yards a carry. And I feel like the Seahawks will want to get Rashad Penny involved in this game and they're not going to be able to. The game script's not going to go that way. I liked the trend of last year. I don't have the numbers in front of me, and I do think this trend a little died a little bit as well towards the end of the year. I don't want to say died, but decreased in effectiveness towards the end of the year. But I like teams that didn't cover the week before playing teams that did cover the previous week to cover in the week that was to come. So this game would qualify under those parameters. Um what else? I had one other thing to say. Oh, also, this line this morning was at 10 on DraftKings, and it moved down to 8.5. That tells me that the public likes that the Seahawks and adjusted the lines that way. Therefore, I like the Patriots. Patriots, what am I saying? The 49ers. Um, Gotta fade the I, public. I checked it this morning on FanDuel. It was 8.5 still. So, um, it was 10 on DraftKings this morning. Shrev, did you 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 go? You said you want to say something. You go first, and I'll, then I'll comment. I, I do. Um, this is uh, this is going to be near and dear to Mitchell's heart a little bit. Uh, I had, think we're going in the same direction, Shrev. We had a guy. We had a guy last year who we uh, who we all lauded as the as the cover king. We have a new guy in town. There's there's a certain guy who in his last nine games is nine and zero against the spread, Mitchell. There's a certain guy. And he's playing QB for the Seahawks. He's playing QB for the Seahawks, Mitchell. He's nine and zero against the spread in his last nine. He hasn't. He he hasn't not covered since 2014. Mitchell, guess what? Oh, he's an imposter. Oh, an imposter. I don't know, man. What? He's an imposter. The Gino, the Gino and Meat combo. It it feels it 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 feels like a cover machine. It really does. All of a sudden. No, it doesn't. Might be staying far away from short the week. Games. Short week on the road, coming the off an emotional win. Week. The Niners on a short week. The Seahawks are on a short week. Oh, never mind. You're right. I mean, okay, it's not that much of a short week. Still, we're home. Counts. Too. There, was no, there, there was no travel. It's all good. Yeah. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm fine with this one. I, Geno Smith doesn't scare me. So Teddy Bridgewater shouldn't scare any opponent, but you lived and died by him. Well, you know what? Time. His sample size was way bigger than Geno Smith's. I I, I wasn't way bigger. 
I didn't. It's, it's I, a little bigger, yeah, but undefeated. little. It was like it was like dozens of games more. It was like in the fifties. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But undefeated, Mitchell. Undefeated. Yeah, I'm sure Teddy Bridgewater. Gonna, I'm sure I, Teddy had an undefeated strength stretch in there as well. Jack, Scout I don't know if you the same way. I was like, when you were talking about, when I was just thinking about the Seahawks covering that game, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, like every game that Geno starts has been like close. So I literally just looked up Geno Smith covers and the first thing that popped up. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely not. All right. All right. Not worried. You may have to change your tone next week, depending on how this goes. The the fact that it, it slid a point and a half today on DraftKings. It didn't slide on Fan. Now, okay, FanDuel does give you like the stats of where the money is, where the bets are. See, Seattle has 60% of the money and 75% of the bets. So, yes, the public is more so backing the uh, Niners, but I mean, I don't think the public is being too irrational just following the past nine starts by Geno Smith covering. Like, I, I think that's a legitimate public backing. Gonna be thirty-one to ten. All right, it's gonna be the score it. this game. All the spread, all the spread to three scores. We'll see. Okay, I only have three dollars left. All right, never mind. I don't want to bring that up. You know what I was gonna <laughs> say? You just I brought it I... up. That you have three dollars left in DraftKings. <laughs> no, no, no. I was what I was gonna say. I only have three dollars left in my DraftKings account because of the Seahawks last week. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I, so, I I made the mistake once, and I'm not doing it again. Get the rest against Gino, and he's gonna burn you again. <laughs> All right, I was, I was planning on betting for tomorrow's game and seeing I have money, but now that this happened, I feel like I have to you know, put my money where my math is. So. He's bankrupting you, and you have no idea what's happening. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I got bullied into doing it, so I'm gonna do it. <laughs> um, I just want a storyline to follow, so I'm really hoping. I'm, I'm really hoping that he covers the spreads. So we can keep this going. Yeah, but. I I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't because three dollars isn't a lot, so I might do like the spread and something else. The spread and like the under or something like that. I I just alt it, alt it to alt it to the Niners minus twenty. Yeah, there oh, you my, go. oh my gosh! Okay, we'll see. It's be we'll thirty-one see. ten. We'll see how it goes. Um. <laughs> all right, that's the show, folks. We got to get out of here before it gets more heated. Um. But yeah, we'll see how that plays out. I'm excited. I always like taking an underdog. I didn't do that this week, but it's not where my heart lied. So I'm not gonna not gonna lie to the audience. Not gonna lie to Hogline no. Nation. Never want to do that. Exactly. That. Um, any closing remarks before we close out the show here? Here we go, Steelers. I know Shreff's got some closing remarks, so. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah. after the that's after the closing. So, in, without further in, ado, closing closing um, remarks. Yeah, those are the yeah post closing. Um, post-closing. thanks for listening, folks. This has been the week one recap, week two preview episode. Um, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hogline Podcast. We have you know a revamped Instagram page, so be sure to check that out. We had a really good graphic last week, so um, proud of that one. I, we didn't do anything about that. So, no, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been outsourced. Um, Hannah. Yes. Thank you to her. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. And we will catch you next week with another episode. Hopefully that the Steelers are two and O for our sake and two and O Eagles for Shreff's sake. And we'll see you next time. See you.
Thoughts and prayers.